This is the sermon podcast for Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church, visit SalemPresWS.org. That's SalemPresWS.org. We believe preaching is best when experience is part of the larger drama of God's people gathering. Something spiritually unique happens when God's people are together. We meet each Sunday to let the liturgy shape us, to hear preaching, and to take the Lord's Supper. And these acts are more robust when done together. Usually we meet Sunday evenings in downtown Winston-Salem at 600 Holly Avenue. We hope to return to that soon. And as you enjoy this podcast, we hope you'll come with us when we can gather in person. Um, today's passage of scripture, we're going to be doing that Romans 5, um, verse 12 down to 21. But I'm going to be reading um, and teaching out of the uh, ESV version of the Bible. So it is a, a little bit different than the, the NLT that we've been using over the last couple weeks. Uh, but if you want to stand with us uh, for the reading of God's word, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. And yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that all sin reigned in death, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In um, 1918, Francis Grimke, who was a black Presbyterian pastor in D.C., wrote, he said, Are these ministers of the gospel, I say, ignorant of the sad, sad things that are daily flowing out of his race-hating spirit to these millions of colored people in this land or of the debasing effect it has having upon the white people themselves. 
or is it that they don't care? Which is it? That they are doing nothing to make things better, but rather by their silence are helping to make things worse. That we do know. And God will hold them responsible for their indifference, their lukewarmness, their cowardly silence. I hope tonight that we would keep Pastor Grimke's question in mind. As we come to a passage of scripture that Ben Milner described for me as the linchpin of covenant theology, which breaks humanity into these two trees. One tree extends from Adam and his polluted offspring, and we can see an image of that tree being almost entirely dead. Yet there is this one branch on the tree that sits pretty high and that is totally green, it's, it's fresh, and it's alive. That quote sounds just like Ben in so many ways. But in verse 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. The Apostle Paul clarifies simply in just the next chapter over as the wages of sin is death. Well, we should know then that this passage of scripture speaks to you and I today uh, just as it had to this early church in Rome. And we see sin enter into the story in Genesis and the, the story of the origin of Adam and Eve. I'm convinced though that we, we don't care to talk much about sin because there is uh, within each of us, this understanding of the harsh reality that because of sin, we know that death is ultimately what we deserve. It's clear that even from this story of humanity's beginnings, that we are in need of a second Adam, an Adam that even in the face of temptation would not submit, but a reliance on the revealed will of God it's in that second Adam that we've come to, to rule and reign rightly with God as he had created us. If nothing else, this verse should simply remind us that we are all in desperate need of Jesus. This is something essential to knowing that we have identities that are not our own, but we are daily being molded into the likeness of Christ Jesus. Death is the enemy of the believer it is the last enemy to be destroyed, Paul says to the church in Corinth, while John the Revelator says that death will be conquered in Christ's return in Revelations 21. In verse 13, though, Paul speaks on sin in light of the law. The law in really simple terms are the things God has commanded us to do. And the Greek of the New Testament is used most often to describe the Old Testament holistically, or more specifically, just simply described as the Mosaic Law. And we see then Paul use it here to address God's command for us as God's instruction for living. Yet in Romans 3.20, Paul tells us that this law brings us an awareness to sin. In verse 14, it reads, it says, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one who was to come. This is not something that is, is anything new, though. 
Uh, because Paul insists that since the fall of Adam, this has always been true. To live prior to the law of Moses does not mean that they would not be judged by it. Jesus and Adam are seen as two covenant heads for whom we can either be in Adam or in Christ by new birth. This is Paul teaching us how Christ's death satisfies the righteous wrath of God, giving us both peace and reconciliation with him. In Jesus, we have this restoration that was lost in the sinfulness of Adam. In verse 15, though, Paul says that the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. I love this literary beauty. So what is this free gift? The Westminster Confession uh, says that justification is this act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Clearly, Paul sees that this free gift is greater and notice him use these opposing ideas to show us something. On one hand is the death that comes as the result of sin and Adam, and what is true and better is this free gift of grace that comes to us in the person and work of Jesus. This free gift is the ex extraordinary means of grace in which all of humanity is impacted, answering the question of both from whom does grace come and how we can find help for those beset in sin and sufferings. This passage is used to highlight the principle of original sin most often, yet I am also reminded that we are then truly lavished with grace. This is what Jesus teaches in the parable of the prodigal son who has gone astray and completely demeaned his father. Yet his father breaks every cultural norm for the love of his son, welcoming him home, putting on him jewelry and fine clothes and gives him a party to celebrate for a child who doesn't deserve it. Notice how Paul continues in verse 16. He says, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So not only is this free gift unlike the one man's sin, but this free gift brings us justification. I love how beautifully Paul writes this, that the condemnation that comes with judgment due to sin is completely negated by the free gift of grace. This is exactly what the hymnist means when we sing what riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood near a death we could not afford. Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. Uh, justification is weird terminology to use here, though, right? Uh, it, it has to be by far the, the least expected response. Dr. Guy Waters, who teaches New Testament at Reformed Theological Seminary, says that understanding justification for the Christian is as essential as understanding the alphabet to function in today's society. 
he says this. He says that justification is this act of God where he makes a legal declaration pardoning our sin. And rather than give us what we deserve, he chooses to love and accept us as righteous in his sight at the very moment we come to trust in Jesus. This justification, justification comes based solely on the obedience of Christ and not of our own work as he imputes his righteousness onto us. So despite the treacherous nature of sin, we can trust that Christ has overcome it all, giving us the grace that brings us justification. In verse 17, Paul continues the narrative of 16 on the condemnation and judgment that leads to death's reign coming from Adam's sin, though much more than we see comes in the abundance of grace. The free gift of righteousness and all that death no longer reigns but through the one man, Jesus Christ. So in verse 18, we read then that therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Paul uses the conjunctive adverb, therefore, and I remember my English professors would hate when we, we'd write like this, but Paul uses it here to give us this summation driving home over and over again that this trespass of our sin that led to the condemnation of humanity so then in Jesus Christ then comes this one act of righteousness that gives us both justification and life for all humanity. And I can assure you that you can rest in this truth. I don't know what you're struggling with or how you're simply wrestling with life, but I can tell you that the answer, no matter what, is justification and life in Jesus over the past few weeks, I've, I've been asked several times about how I'm dealing with the, the tragic loss of life of, of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and Rashad Brooks. And I can't tell you how honestly frustrating this question has become because it, it, it fails to acknowledge the reality that these are just a few names that do not embody the loss of black lives as what has become a cultural norm. So I've been angry and I've grieved over and over again, and yet I rest trusting that in Jesus there is justification and life. So like Pastor Grimke, I, I know uh, there are those who would refute the gospel application to this issue of race, yet I would beg to question how you could affirm justification and life in Jesus, but not then also be able to boldly claim that the lives of your black brothers and sisters matter. The shepherd who in Luke 15 searches for this one lost sheep does not mean that the other 99 sheep don't matter. But there is a sheep that is lost and in need of the safety of a shepherd who gives his very life for him. The systemic injustice of black and brown communities in our city should bring us to a Christ-like outrage, not on the basis of guilt or privilege, but on the very gospel by which we are saved. So in verse 19, we see that while Adam's disobedience leads us to sin, the obedience of Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross 
leads us to be made righteous. I, I love how Paul tells us that we are made righteous. Paul is telling us, hey, I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to get this messed up because this righteousness comes from Christ alone. So we can then look lastly, if you will, with me at verses 20 and 21. It says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we've seen Paul use these comparisons a few times in the text to illustrate not only different ideas, but shows us the greater value of one over the other. Here, he references the trespass of sin with the abounding grace of God. In verse 21, we see that that sin, uh, that, sin that reigns is, is swallowed up by the grace that reigns in righteousness. And that's, that's not it, though, because this grace and the righteousness leads us to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So how much more excellent then is the abounding grace, righteousness, and eternal life we have in Jesus than anything in all of the world? Uh, so we can lift our arms in adoration of him to the God who rules and reigns above all things, who brightens our cloudy days, the God who calls Sandra Bland, Eric Gardner, Tamir Rice as his sons and daughters to, to find rest in him, the God who on the cross has already done more than we could have ever imagined. Or maybe I can close a bit more poetically in the words of Eugene Cho, an Asian-American pastor in Seattle, who simply writes that winds blow and chaos ensues, anxiety rises and lament is in the air. Yet Christ is our anchor. Hold tight, be steadfast.